Welcome to the Gil and Brenda podcast as we share tips, tools, and tingles for your relationship. Listen for the action steps at the end, and now let's get to it. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining us for Gil and Brenda. Uh, our, our podcast today is going to bring you tips, tools, and tingles, but today I have a little disclaimer. You need to kind of prepare yourself for a sting uh, toward the end of what we have to talk about. No and, tingles here? Well, there's going to be tingles, but I want them to be prepared for a sting. What are we talking about okay. today? Well, today we're talking about the number one marriage killer. Wow. You've probably heard podcasts like this before, right? Yeah, this is our opinion about what a number one marriage killer is. But actually, this is a surefire way to marry, uh, murder your marriage satisfaction and actually bury your relationship. So you had something more to say there. Well, no, I, I think we both have were, this isn't just our opinion. It's been our experience. As Both personally and professionally. Counseling, as well as a lot of research on what, yeah. what we have to say. Not our research, but research that we've read. So, again, welcome to Tips, Tools, and Tingles with a sting. Okay, <laughs> what, what, what are we going to do? We're going to set this up a little bit. We're not going to give you the answer till you've listened all the way through. So, hopefully, we've hooked you with what is this thing, Gil and Brenda, that kills marriages. So, we're going to set it up with some questions, some clues. So, Brenda, give us the first couple clues. and. Go slow. Yes, because they need to pay attention. Yes. Right? Well, they're sharp. I don't need to go that slow. Okay. First quote by Walt Whitman. I do not ask how the wounded one feels. I myself become the wounded one. Mm. Ooh, this is dun, interesting. Dun. Dun, dun. Okay, what's the next? Next one is more than any other single deficiency I think it is the lack of mutual empathy which results in sword drawing in marriage by Bernard Gunier. Sword drawing. Just because of the lack of mutual empathy. Okay, wow. Those... I've seen I've seen couples draw their swords. Yeah, I you? mean figuratively or literally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think in my counseling chair I'm kinda of going, Whoa, let's let's put those away, you guys. Not down boy, down girl, yeah. So you know, what are, what are you thinking there? There was a couple clues. It's a little obscure. So stay with us on this. Here's the next clue. Next clue is this. Uh, researchers at the Relationship Institute at UCLA found that couples who are willing to compromise are more effective in solving their problems together. Uh, of the 172 couples studied over the course of 11 years, 79% were still married. That's that's pretty good. That's Those were good. first-time marriages. But here was the hypothesis that UCLA was coming up with, was that commitment was the glue that helped them stay together. That's what we always hear. That's what we always hear. I'm committed. I'm in it. I'm going to go for it. But really, was it the, the, the real glue? Hmm. Surprisingly, not according to the couples. Because even the couples who divorced stated that they were committed to the relationship. This is confusing. Here's the factor that uh, was, was not exhibited by the couples who divorced. They did not ex uh, exhibit a resolve to sacrifice and work toward compromise. Ah. Thus, compromise was not part of their commitment. Huh? That's kind of strange. So the other factor that came out in the research was 
couples who did stay together, it was pointed out, they pointed out in their in their marriage that they did not keep score of how often one person got their way. The couples who broke up did keep score of uh, what they got. Yeah. They got my way and you didn't get yours. We weren't able to compromise. So in other words, it is better that I bend rather than for us to break. Wow, say that again. In other words, it is better that I bend rather than for us to break. Hmm. Or we could put it this way. When we're flexible, we tend to draw closer together. Let me say that again. When we're flexible, we tend to draw closer together. Are you you getting it yet, you guys? I like what you're... Uh, be attitude is. I always say it's like what first skill three twelve is flexible. Be flexible. Blessed are the flexible because <laughs> yeah. they won't snap. Yeah, yeah. Man, that's hard. Okay, that's so hard. final clue. Well, and because a lot of this too, being flexible means I may not get my way, right? Well, no, because I have to learn how to compromise. That was the point of the research from UCLA was that the couples who compromised. Uh, it was part of their commitment where the couples who didn't compromise, they didn't commit to that. And they would just dig in deeper to, yeah, they because would, they had to have their way. Yeah. Love, honor, and cherish and sickness and health, but not in compromise. Hell no, I ain't doing that. I'm Unless you way. agree with me. Yeah. Unless you grip my way or the highway. Uh, so, you know, no, we're not doing that. And, and the couples who were able to say compromise is part of it really did succeed. Hmm. Interesting. I think another word we use too, besides compromise, is collaborate. Because sometimes compromise, you feel like one person wins and one person loses, but you're when you're collaborating, you're doing it together as as for the the marriage for the relationship. Well, I think on that part, compromise, collaboration, compromise in and of itself is is that I didn't get what I didn't want. I settled for less. Well, you individually might be settling for less because you, my dear friend, are not, you know, perfect. Neither am I. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but a compromise is what we come up with. When we can have an us, then all the better. That's a collaboration. Now we're moving in the right direction. But for the couples who will not compromise, they will either tend to become accommodating and put themselves down or they will avoid and then become more bitter and more dug in. And when we begin as couples to avoid and accommodate too much, that is the seed ground for bitterness. Mm-hmm. And then everything becomes an offense because I'm keeping score. And the mm-hmm. pile, the stockpile, what's in that pile of I got my way, you didn't get yours, or you got your way and I didn't get mine, just gets bigger. And that's, I see a lot of couples when disagreements come up, they go to that pile and pull out the crap crap (laughs) (laughs) from that pile into the current situation because it was never resolved. Never resolved. Yeah. Never resolved. They, They weren't able to come to a conclusion. I like to, and I know we've said this before, ladies and gentlemen, in another episode, is that 80% somewhere between 60 to 80 65 to 80%. I'm getting my research off here. Let me rephrase that. 
Somewhere between 75 to 80 percent of couples' problems are unsolvable. They are perpetual issues. The point of it all is, if you can't have resolution, seek understanding. That's compromise. If some solution comes up out of that compromise, then great. That's great. But if I at least feel heard, kind of like that that quote from Walt Whitman is, I, I don't ask how the wounded one feels. I become the wounded one. I feel it with you. I validate where you're coming from mm-hmm. rather than dig in. Right. And that's showing empathy. Yeah. But sometimes we're so caught up in our own stuff, could be our own pain, that we can't lift the lenses off of us to extend empathy to our um, spouse. And man, when that happens and you stop for a minute and think, how is my spouse actually feeling? Uh, We have this great emotion chart that shows feelings and emotions. And it's like, so it could be sadness. I mean, what is like really in the the depth of that. And that's a game changer because the problem doesn't become about the problem. It's the emotion behind the problem. Yeah. So many times I sit in sessions, Brenda, during counseling and coaching with you where the guys literally look across the table and go, I hate emotions. I just hate them because they scare me. I don't like Mm -hmm. them. They don't feel comfortable. And so here's their wife in tears going, and you could tell he's got emotion too. He just ain't showing it. And so we slide that little, you know, color palette of emotions across to him and say, could you just take a guess at what your wife is feeling? And he'll start looking around and we'll kind of point and kind of go, is it this, is it that? You know, come on, guys, speak up, empathize, mm-hmm. validate. And so he'll start rattling off, well, maybe it's this and maybe it's that. You know, and he's using some really strong words of emotions that maybe aren't in his vocabulary. And then we stop and we look at the wife and she's usually just in Crying. tears. She's in tears. like, And, and then we have the, the gentleman ask the lady, did I get it? Was I close? And then she usually looks over and goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're getting close because he began to validate her. Yeah. And then sometimes, ladies, do you do that for your guys? Because they're not just happy, sad, or glad. They do have other emotions and are we giving them a safe place to share that? Yeah. 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 Especially in Western culture, we're so quick to just, especially if it's a hard situation or something that's hurting, you just suck it up and move on. And um, I love what you say, Gil. It's always like tap the brake, slow down, sit in the uncomfortable for a minute and ask yourself, how am I really feeling? Am I feeling abandoned? Am I lonely? Am I, you know, what am I mad about? And to be able to talk at that level, I mean, that's where connection happens. And I know, you know, we talk a lot about that. It's not just communication. It's connecting at that heart level, which is where connectication came up. Right. Oh, so let's get back to our clues. Final clue here. Oh, this is good. You're going to have to explain this a little bit. Become the best arguer. That's right. Get better at arguing. But there is a catch. So what's the Yes, because the number one killer of marriage is not arguing. It's the type of arguing. So let's get back to some research here. According to a study that was done by Psychological Science, couples who work in tandem, that means together uh, with their partner, when in an argument, will use the words we, us, 
hour more often. Let me read that again. The study basically says that couples, a person in the couple who begins to work in tandem with their partner, begins to use the words we, us, our, more often. The the more that person approaches the problem from a, a position of we, not me, more often comes up with better solutions. So instead of me saying, what are you going to do about this? The response is, what are our options here? What How, are we going to do yeah, about what, this? What, what is, it, is this helping us? Yeah. So it goes on, the research goes on, and it says the arguer, who are the you-sayers, which is kind of a play on naysayers, the argument goes then, those of you that, that talk are you-sayers using the terms of me, my, our, you know, on that that same side of this is my position. Well, on the other side of that, the argument are more ready. Those are then more ready to offer criticism, be disagreeing, justify, and otherwise get stuck in a cycle of being an Eeyore. They look perpetually through the lens of negativity. Mm. Now, this is scary, you guys. And I really want to be relentlessly gentle and with love and respect, I want to punch some of you guys in the face. (laughs) Because honestly, I sit in my counselor's chair week after week and go, good heavens, would you get over yourself? Mm -hmm. Because honestly, if you struggle with this characteristic of being a you-sayer, here's what I got to say. There is an emotional wound maybe farther deeper into your heart than you're giving space to really understand. And here's my point. Emotional healing is not for cowards. When you are stressed, you will regress into a neural pathway, basically referring to a a pain cycle, which leads you constantly down the trail of anger, pessimism, defensiveness, or you then exhibit a passive-aggressive trait. And there's millions of them. And my word to you is, please, for the sake of yourself, your health, and those that you love, Seek help. Knock it off. You there, there are resources out there, but for you to not seek help, because whether you're 20 years old or 80 years old, life is not to be lived with unresolved hurt. That's called bitterness, you guys, and it is ruining you. Because if you're hurt, you're going to hurt other people. And those are the people that you love. So please, I just... Really, just bust me up. I I am an empathetic man, and I sit with people on a daily basis, and I just want to weep because they're so stuck in the mud, and they won't change their way. And sometimes they're there, but they they're the, the negative glasses they refuse to take off, and nobody can do it for you. You have to do the work. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that, Gil. It's, I know it's a something we talk about all the time. It's like we all have a choice of how we're going to live our life, right? And by no means are we doing it perfect <laughs> by any means. But, you know, we are always kind of checking in with each other about being supportive and positive to each other, no matter how we feel. I mean, I would want to be with a spouse that's encouraging and positive and supportive and not being, as you say, a you-sayer or a naysayer of, 
you know, it'd be hard to be with someone that's saying, you do this wrong and you do this and it's your fault all the time. I mean, that's just pounding down um, on your marriage. And that's, I mean, that's not why we got married, right? We got married to live a full life together and hopefully share who Jesus is through us because of how we treat each other, right? So we've taken a few detours here around the number one key to, you know, marriage killers. So have you got it yet? You know, what is the number one marriage killer, Brenda? Selfishness. What? Mm-hmm. Wow. Selfishness? Yep. self Centered pride is at the heart of every bad, destructive, murderous fight. Self-centeredness. And, and most divorces. I, If I had to guess, and I don't have a statistic, but I would probably say, I don't know, maybe 80 or 90% of divorces happen because of selfishness. Well, I can think about, right up, and I won't mention names, <laughs> but I can think in the last six months where we have worked with couples who came and sat in the chair or we've met by zoom or coaching and counseling, whatever the venue. And they tell us bold face we're committed, but they still end up shooting a hole in their boat and divorcing or separating. And we know it didn't have to happen because selfishness really was the bullet that got them. And part of that selfishness could be like you were sharing Gil, just that deep hurt, that unresolved hurt that they don't want to face off with and guarantee a hundred percent. If you don't face off with that hurt in your current marriage and you think, Oh, I'm going to divorce and find greener pastures. You're still the common denominator going to that next marriage. And that hurt and you, you follows you. You exactly. are, you are where you're at. As I <laughs> yeah. say, so a little bit more research shows that when pride sets in, mm-hmm. so if self-centered pride is the heart of every destructive fight, so if, if pride sets in 34% of the time, even when a person knows they're wrong, actually can't remember what they were fighting about. We hear this all the time as we're working with couples. It's like they get more uh, negatively energized by the fight. Maybe it's the adrenaline or something going physically. And then, and then at the end, they're like, once they calm down, it's like, I don't even know what we were fighting about. Ugh is what I say. Really, you guys? Because the research goes on and then says this. 74% will fight on even if they feel it's a losing battle. 74% will continue the fight even though they're not going to win. And honestly, all I can say is, what the hell are you doing? Why are you wasting that emotional energy? You know, if you spent all of that energy toward a solution for us, for we, for our what would happen rather than me, my, or you? Good heavens. Really? Mm-hmm. Because the defensiveness and the pessimism, quite frankly, the answer is, you know, stupid is as stupid does, I think I heard one point in time. And if you're offended, I'm sorry, but it's stupid to continue this activity. Well, and how much of a toll is it taking on people physically? Well, the legacy of your family, quite frankly. So Yeah, but even physically, high blood pressure and oh, yeah. you know, all kinds of health stress. issues. Yeah, yeah we health could issues. that's a whole podcast yeah. in itself. So um therefore our question to you guys out there, uh, for the sake of the we and the us, uh, do you wish to be right or would you rather work toward a nurturing relationship? 
Yeah, I had a colleague who once upon a time said, do you mean, do you want right or do you want relationship? Mm -hmm. Well, if I want to be right, I probably am going to kill the relationship. So that's that's not really good information, you guys, because now we got to move straight into the action steps. And the number one action step, Brenda, is what? Well, when you begin to hear yourself say in arguments, me, my, I, or you, that's a great indication to stop and pause. It's almost like stick a sock in your mouth for a minute. Switch gears. Switch gears. Move to us, we, our. What are we going to do about it? What's best for us? What are our options here? Another action step would be a bit of a statement, and then Brenda's going to give you the action. Here's the statement. From the book of Proverbs, chapter 16, about verse 18, good old King Solomon had some pretty strong words, which goes like this. Pride goes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. Now, the word haughty translates like this, folks. Haughty means condescending, arrogant, snooty, or conceited. And again, that is going to kill a relationship You got to stop it because here's the remedy. When you begin to act with humility, empathy, kindness, patience, and that you know that meekness will win the day, even if you think you're strong, quite frankly, the strong are able to submit, to surrender. But if you are weak and stuck in a negative cycle, you will dig in. Humility does not diminish power. It's empowering. And the idea here is you do want to act with pride. You want to act with humility. Next statement. If you battle the Eeyore complex, seek some counseling. Those that become self-aware, and that again is a whole nother podcast because those that are self-aware become more emotionally mature. Knowing myself so I know how to control, self-regulate myself actually is a sign of emotional maturity. And so if you have a problem that's so deep that Eeyore cycle is in you, it is referred to as a neurological pathway. And the only way to resolve that is to begin to understand yourself. One of the most important relationships you can have, ladies and gentlemen, is the relationship that you have to yourself. And there are things in the subconscious and the pre-subconscious that could be tripping you up from your childhood. Get the help. There is no point of pride here. It's a point of, of, of moving forward. So, you know, it's easier to live with yourself uh, and your blood pressure actually might go down. Well, I'm sure there's all kinds of health, health benefits because you wouldn't be as stressed, right? Right. <laughs> Well, and on the other hand, if you're not the person that's the Eeyore, but you're living with a person who's an Eeyore, you know, it's it's hard living with an Eeyore. It's almost like they suck all the air out of the room once they come in. And we want to be the spouses who are supportive and positive, right? I mean, and so the question is, how can you grow in that? Yeah. Have a conversation with each other, not to be on the defensive or to be angry about it. Ask your spouse. Do I come off negative to you? Yeah. And I think, honestly, ladies and gentlemen, I would probably have to seek your apology and patience with me because today I'm actually speaking as a very frustrated counselor. 
I'm really sorry if I'm coming off hard on some of you. I love you. I care about you, or I wouldn't be sitting behind this microphone. Really, if you are having trouble, seek the help that you need. It is really important because if the the title of the of the of the session today is the number one marriage killer is selfishness, then the remedy is to be selfless. That's harder said than done. It's easier said than done. But for you to step forward shows emotional fortitude and strength. It's in you. I'm calling you out for your own behalf and for the behalf of the world and everyone that lives around you. Move forward. And I guess I would encourage those people that are witnessing this, that if a situation comes up where, let's say your spouse has always been selfish, when you see that they're working on this and they're trying to be selfless, affirm them in that, validate them. Wow, I really appreciate that you're being selfless about this. That word validation, Brenda, is so powerful. I'm so glad you used it. So another action step that I'm going to add here is, is if you do not know how to validate us, or how to validate, would you email us? I've got a little short article that's probably about eight paragraphs long on how to validate. It will help you understand how to validate. I really am glad you brought that up. Well, there's that's a whole other podcast is <laughs> validation and how how easy it is to do and how much we don't do it. And I think a lot of times, and we're guilty of this too, we don't do it because we get caught up in ourselves and our head and we're human, right? I'm going to pray for our listeners today. I don't think we've ever done this, but I'm going to do it today. So we pray, Jesus, that you would bring a softening to those that are listening. Lord Jesus, we pray for those who might be stuck in the EOR cycle, that they would seek help and that they would find the help that they need. And then finally, Lord Jesus, for those who are truly aware that they are battling selfishness, that they would first and foremost turn to you and ask for help. God, you're bigger than any of us. And for us to humble ourselves, your word is very clear that you will lift us up, you will encourage us, and you will help us to live a life that is pleasing not only to you, but make us sweet fragrances to one another. So Lord Jesus, I pray that you help a revelation come that we would stop stinking up the place and start becoming sweeter, more lovable people because we want our marriages to flourish, not be destroyed. Pray that in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. Any final comment, Brenda? I think we always say, if you ain't got the marriage... You ain't got nothing. Because a healthy marriage is the best gift we can give each other. I always say to our kids in our community, but it's for, uh, for us too. Yeah. For the enjoyment of it. I enjoyed doing this today with you. You're pretty hot and heavy. I don't know. I will see if people ever want to listen again. But you know what? I 100% agree with you because, yeah, coaching with you and sitting with couples, which we absolutely love to do, um, there's a lot of pain out there. Yeah, yeah. But the pain, when you do it together, when we tackle the pain together, that becomes a bond that nobody can break because we did it. And we figured it out because it was best for us. Yes. Amen to that. All right. Love you all. Hope you can, uh, you know, bear with us by listening through all this. Thanks for joining us. Find us at gillandbrenda.com. Always forward. Just go slow. Hey, glad you joined us today. 
Want to connect with us? Find us at gillandbrenda.com and the usual social media outlets. We are available for coaching, counseling, marriage intensives, seminars, workshops, retreats, and so much more. We'd love to encourage you in your relationship. Give us a call today. And thank you to our producer and engineer, Corby Stevens. Oh, 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 o